What's going on, guys? Welcome on back to Second and Short. My name is Ty Lauder, joined with our resident Dynasty Fantasy expert, Jason, and this is The Cheap Seats, where we're going to talk about all the things that we need to redraft Dynasty and provide some fantasy clarity from all the way up in the cheap seats. Uh, Jason, start us off. You were on vacation. How's it feel to be back? Uh, refreshed uh, in a sense, but heartbroken in another, and we'll get into that later. Uh, a lot of developments happened in the fantasy world while I was on vacation. Even when everybody else is taking vacation, we're still grinding, giving you content. Absolutely. And if you guys are tuning in and watching us on YouTube right now, go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below. Safety and everything we got going on second and short. We got two to three videos up every week. Also, everything below us, hit us up on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything. At the very end, we'll give you some more details, but you see them right now. And let's go ahead. Let's give some dynasty and fantasy clarity. Deshaun Watson, as of the time of recording this, is in talks to become a Miami Dolphin via trade. What is the latest details you have on this situation, Jason? Uh, I keep I keep seeing the rumors. I keep seeing, seeing everything swirling that it is possibly going to be two, uh, two first and a conditional second that may bring Watson to become a Miami Dolphin. I mean, we talked a little bit off air of this. If Miami does this, it really doesn't make a lot of sense in my eyes. Uh, you kind of agreed with that. Now, in the aspect of does do you get a bump in production with Deshaun Watson? Over two, yes. But I think the asking price is just a way too much to bring him in. No, I, I agree. And here, here's the thing. Like if you're the Miami Dolphins, making this move right now makes no sense because you don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick sitting behind to give you a little bit of comfort. Now, these, this whole thing could blow up by the time this video drops as we record this on a Sunday. But really, let's just say the trade goes down. Deshaun Watson has no contact or communication like touches with his wide receivers. He hasn't worked with his offensive coordinator. Uh, Tua, who is a developing quarterback, exact same situation, but he's going to a team that has, though every team has playoff aspirations, but they have no realistic playoff hopes this year, at least. So for Tua, it's perfectly fine because Houston gets to rebuild to get all these picks. They get a younger quarterback that appears to be safer uh, off the field issue wise. And that's where everything's going to go. Now, if Deshaun Watson's name is cleared, everything is fine. He's able to play. Miami Dolphins upgrade their quarterback position. But I don't know if this could translate to the field as fast as we think it could. It, it, even the best quarterbacks, they still need a time to develop chemistry. Yeah, you got to have that little bit of time to acclimate with your and build a repertoire with your receivers, with your running backs. Even, hell, even your offensive line has to know how how you stand in the pocket how you how mobile you are in the pocket so they can adjust their blocking scheme so i don't really think this makes a lot of sense for miami now houston this is a big win but i don't think miami it it, it justifies making a whole hell of a lot of sense for miami to make the deal but uh every time that somebody in miami's front office has been asked about it here the last two days they have not denied it so I, the, as the old adage goes, if there's smoke, there's fire. Let's talk about fantasy dynasty impact. That's what we're here to talk about. So if Tua goes to Houston, uh, what is his outlook? Do you think that, that he is going to 
be able to work in Houston with a, a poor offensive line, not as good as pass catchers or coaching? Like, what do you think is going to happen to Tua fantasy wise? I think Tua takes a huge hit. Um, the Houston front office is a mess. Uh, this would be the only logistical thing that they would be doing right. I mean, they let DeAndre Hopkins go for chump change. Uh, so basically they punted to try to get higher draft picks to build around. So I think Tua takes a massive hit. I mean, he doesn't have a, a very good offensive line. He's got a running back by committee with a three-headed monster behind him. Doesn't really have a true wide receiver one there to work with. Doesn't even have a solid tight end. But I think long-term, I think this comes out really good. Tua is going to take two years to develop. But year three, if he's in Houston, I think he becomes a monster because they're going to have so much draft capital. They're going to have those high draft picks and those compensation picks coming in. So I think that as long as if this deal does go down and Houston's front office don't muck it up, we're going to see Tua become a top five quarterback in a couple of years. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and move out of our Dynasty Clarity segment. And let's talk about this week's episode. Now, this week's episode, we're going to be talking about risers and fallers on our own personal draft rankings uh, based on sleeper apps ADP that we use just because it's the most friendly and free and you know, easily accessible fantasy service out there. I know a lot of people like they kind of go in the underdog world because it's new and it's hip. But if you're not into gambling and you just want to go strict this way where you can play redraft and convert it to dynasty, sleeper is easy to do. ESPN is also very easy. But let's talk about our ups and downs. Jason, I'm going to let you lead off. And let's start off, um, let's start off on a negative note. That way we can kind of end on a high note. But give us your first faller, a guy that wherever he's getting drafted, you're not a fan of, you're not taking him there, and you think he should be down a round or two, whatever. Who's your first faller for us? Um, and this is going back to, you know, I harp on the rookie hype um, in past episodes and i'm gonna say jamar chase i mean he was built up to be come in and be the wide receiver one in cincinnati but looking at him in preseason it's like he's moving in slow motion he's not acclimating he's not getting real crisp routes that i've seen he doesn't have the chemistry uh of course you know they're not playing burrow but still i mean he's not breaking off his routes like he should. And I don't know if it's just the jitters, if it's just the learning curve. Um, but I've seen him. I just did a, my big money draft was today. I actually seen Jamar chase go in the fifth round. That is way too high. In my opinion, I'm going to dial it back at least to late seventh, mid eighth range that I'm even looking at chase. Now, I mean, his ADP, uh, you've got the ADP in front of you. What's his ADP say that he should be going? So it's not where he should be going, but it is just where he is going. And based on what you said, it's correct. So he's currently getting drafted as the wide receiver 20, uh, 51 overall round five pick three. So where he went in your draft is where people are taking him right now. And I think that this kind of goes back to a couple episodes ago where we talked about rookie fever and okay. versus like veteran value. And we're getting these like overhyped rookie situations where people are so in love with these guys. And they go, well, he knows Joe Burrow and he's the hottest thing in town and he's the number one receiver drafted. And but the problem is, 
Tyler Boyd is Mr. Reliable. T. Higgins developed a slight rapport last year with professional Joe Burrow, not college Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing to take into account. Joe Burrow took that next step. Joe Burrow in college isn't the Joe Burrow QB1 in Cincinnati. There is a difference. Um, It's a different style of play, different offense and everything. And I think you need to you need to taper expectations with Chase. And like I said, I would be comfortable with around uh, mid seventh to early eighth. Uh, I would be real comfortable taking him there as my maybe my first fill-in uh, wide receiver, bye week wide receiver. I think you know by the time you start hitting bye weeks, he may start moving that needle up and making some progress but right now i don't i I just don't feel it i'm just not uh i'm actually uh kind of sliding him down because i I just don't like what i see currently yeah and um uh, yeah makes sense why for for me essentially if i was gonna fade him it's more so because i believe in the veterans they have there tyler boyd is consistently putting up good numbers he's finishing around in fantasy wise the past like three years don't quote me on this guy i'm not looking at it but i just kind of know from memory but it's kind of sitting in about wide receiver like 17 to like 24 ranges where he kind of falls sometimes he'll fall a little bit before that but he's getting drafted a full round or two after jamar chase and he's gonna put up what jamar chase expected which is wide receiver 20 that's a wide receiver two in your eyes so i totally see the fade makes sense uh, let's go ahead and move on to my fade. So I'm going to go with my first fade here. We talked about him a little bit um, a couple weeks ago on high risk, high reward. And we're going to talk about him a little bit more here. It's quarterback Jalen Hurts. Now, let's talk about where he's going, what position he's at uh, in that drafting. And then we'll talk about why. So he's getting drafted as quarterback 12, uh, which is in 94 overall, which is round, let me see, I got round eight, pick 10. So for me, the fact that he's getting drafted over Matt Stafford, I find to be blasphemy. That's just, it, it's outrageous. It's making sense. Matt Stafford's on the verge that everybody's predicting to be an MVP candidate this year. I get it. Jalen Hurts, the runner. He's going to run the ball. That's where he's going to have his upside. And while that's true, uh, this past year, he, he was able to, he threw over a thousand yards, 52% completion, which is kind of the issue. Uh, he went one and three, but then again, I think the Eagles are a bad team, so I can't really blame him for that. He was sacked like 20 times in four games. He has the rushing ability, but I don't believe in his arm as much. And now let's kind of look what happened here. I mean, Joe Flacco has been looking okay in preseason. It's preseason. But on a more serious note, I just dropped TikTok on this. Garner Minshew just got traded for a six-round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles. We can elaborate on this a little bit more where everybody, like pick up people that I was talking to, like, well, if he was better, he'd have been traded for more than a six-round pick. Why? Everybody knows he's just going to sit on the bench for the Jags. So if the Jags want to get rid of him and gain something, you just take what you can get. Six-round pick makes sense for everybody. Win-win. And I think Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts in the NFL. Having a great system in college is one thing, but being able to adapt and, and lead on your own in, in, in the NFL it's a lot harder to do. And Garner Minshew is the only reason the Jags have had any wins in the past two years. He has all seven of their wins. He's seven and 16 as a starter. They're 0 and 9 when he doesn't play. And he would have played more games last year 
but they were totally in tank mode. So that's kind of where I'm at. I want you to jump on in with your thoughts on him going forward. I, I fully agree with that fade. I'm not a Jalen Hurts fan at all. Um, I avoid him in any draft if, or I take him and find a owner that does like him and wants him to be a QB one on their team. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Send me an offer. And, you know, I get that compensation. I get a rookie second, like the following year or something, because there's people out there that actually in their mind legitimately think that he played in Alabama. Alabama is a prestigious school that has a lot of NFL talent on it. And they think that Alabama's college football team could play against the worst NFL team, which is blasphemy in itself. It's totally ridiculous. College, And then he, and then he also goes to Oklahoma that just came off of back-to-back -back Heisman uh, Trophy winners in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And he's with a, a, a firepower offense there as well, where it's completely tailored to him. Exactly. So, so, and they had, they take him out of Alabama to put him in Oklahoma and he goes there and he produces in a division, a collegiate division that I'm very familiar with that doesn't play defense. He shows out in college and they think that he's coming to be the second coming of Randall Cunningham. It's not happening. He does run. Yes, but he doesn't make good decisions. He runs too much. He holds onto the ball too much and takes sacks when he should get rid of the ball. And he just tucks and cowers. So I'm definitely not taking Hertz. In my eyes, Hertz is a, a borderline QB2, a waiver wire flyer. Uh, I mean, you know, just a stream when your, your actual starter goes down. I think he is just a streaming quarterback that you just need to plug in one week. Yeah, and so here's the thing. Jalen Hurts isn't that bad of an option early in the season if he's going to be the starter, even though I believe Garner Minshew is eventually going to take over because uh, Garner Minshew has shown that he's able to win in the NFL with the worst off the worst team in the NFL. Uh, he's able to have a he's a better passer. I think he's about 63% completion on his career. His quarterback rating or passer rating is just under 100. His touchdown interception is fantastic as well. I mean, 37 to 11 is wonderful. Uh, but if Jalen Hurts is the starter, my issue is he's getting drafted as a QB 12, which means he is getting drafted as if he's going to be a top guy, I guess the number one option for any team that drafts him. In my, in my, ho my home league that I have, uh, last week we drafted, he was drafted as the quarterback 18. And I thought that was a good placement for him because right now, like I said, I'm just going to go over a quick list. If I'm going over, he's getting drafted over Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill, Deshaun Watson, but that makes sense a little bit. But just in case, we'll just keep him there. Um, over all the rookie quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, like stability, reliability, guys that could all finish at QB 12 as well. And with the uncertainty of Jalen Hurts starting, the uncertainty of like the trust that the coaching staff has in him, which I don't think is there. Uh, the lack of offensive line power that they have to protect him and the lack of weapons to really use outside of their tight ends, potentially Smith, if he develops and a run game that I don't trust either pair that with the defense that is going to allow a lot of points. So he's going to be forced to try and throw the ball a lot. I just don't see it as a top 12 guy, but let's get some positivity. Why don't you go ahead and give us your 
up. Who's moving up? Give us a riser for you. We're going to be talking about Gus Edwards, who is a touchdown vulture uh, on a lot of things, but he is also a solid option. I think him and Dobbins were a sneaky one-two combination. Now he's going to be the feature uh, in Baltimore's offense. Um, and it's going to, and a lot of the rushing attacks going to fall on him and Lamar. I think Edwards uh, should jump up and you should start looking at him about your fifth round, late fourth, mid fifth, um, where he could, he could be that flex, that streaming uh, running back that you may need, depending on where you draft and how your team looks. I, I think he's a viable option, you know, fourth, fifth round that will get you a solid uh, contribution throughout the season. So currently, this is the, the one player we're going to talk about today that we can't really reflect on his ADP too much because the ADP hasn't fully updated because this news dropped. The injury was Saturday. The news came out Sunday. Anybody that drafted Saturday, I'm sorry for you. Anybody <laughs> that drafted Sunday and was paying attention, good for you. Um, so as of time recording this, you know, the news just dropped his ADP over the next four or five days before this video drops is going to skyrocket. But for context, he's not right now getting drafted as running back 43. Uh, his ADP is 126 overall. That's round 10, pick five. Here's something to know about Gus Edwards. He's a power back. So we don't like, we know that they're going to want to get an elusive guy that they had in JK because they're going to want Lamar to be more of a pocket passer. So I, I'm going to look for them to sign somebody. They've already talked to Todd Gurley. I mean, they got I mean, Justice Hill is hurt right now. He got hurt in the first preseason game. But Gus Edwards, straight years, 700 yards rushing as the backup, as the number two to Mark Ingram or three to Jackson and the number two to Dobbins and Jackson. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. This offensive line is so good. The, the scheme is set up perfectly for them. The way they just play – and the way that their defense is, how, how good their defense is, so they're always winning in games a lot of times. Defenses allow a lot of points, which allows them to run more. Yeah, Gus Edwards is going to shoot up, and we're going to see a similar trajectory that we saw with Daryl Henderson when Cam Akers went out. The only difference here is, is that I'm with you. I trust the Ravens' offensive line more and their game script. And Gus Edwards has shown, you know, he can carry the rock, and he's good. Well, also, you got to factor in, Edwards has familiarity with this line. They've, he's played behind this line. They know, they know what he brings to the table. They know when a play is called for him, how he likes to run. Um, so the familiarity bumps him up even more because if, you, if your linemen know your, how shifty you are, if you're going to hit the hole and, you know, you cut right, cut left, they can block for that that adjustment he's like you said he's a power back he's north and south he's not going to cut so that lineman is going to push your push defenses out to open up the hole rather than try to give him that shifting uh lane like they would for, yeah. for dobbins so i think this is this benefits them great uh, i see a lot of similarities uh production wise with um murray down in um new orleans you know, being behind Kamara, he he got he's a valuable option as a backup. He's not going to go for, you know, a whole lot of pass catching out of the backfield, but he's still going to be a viable option as a check down in those scenarios. So 
he still has value in a P, even a PPR half PPR format that gives him a little bump too. Yeah, I I I totally think that this Gus Edwards is going to move up. We're going to see him skyrocket. If you if you're just doing your draft tonight when you're listening to this or this coming week, uh, you, you're going to see him. You're going to see him move up. This also does this move of J.K. Dobbins getting hurt, sadly, uh, but it still does help uh, guys like Mark Andrews and their receiving group as well. Uh, now let's move on to another up for us here, uh, and that's with me. This is tight end Logan Thomas for the Washington football team. Uh, he's currently getting drafted as tight end 11. ADP is 106 overall, which for reference is round nine, pick 10. Here's the thing. Logan Thomas is a former quarterback converted tight end, and it seems like he's finally found the right home. I mean, he's with Arizona, Buffalo, Detroit, but then in 2020, he gets to be the guy. And he comes in, gets 110 targets, 72 receptions. Mind you, that's good for third most receptions over all tight ends. Only losing out to Kelsey and Waller, who are number ones in their own offense. Uh, he was number nine in touchdowns in 2020 as well for all tight ends. Uh, and his receptions, kind of go back, I kind of went over it. He was number 29 overall in receptions for 2020 as well. Now, here's the issue, right? They just brought in Curtis Samuel. Like, they're going to be, they, they brought in Adam Humphreys. They just drafted Danny Brown. They have a, a more overall, a well-rounded offense. They're going to run the ball a little more. Like Antonio Gibson's going to catch the ball. That's a concern. But for me, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to use guys that he thinks are reliable. He's going to stick to guys that are going to get it done in and out. And we saw Mike Gusecki take a little step up last year in Miami. And I think the same things that happened with Logan Thomas in the, in the sense that he's going to finish better fantasy-wise than he's getting drafted. That's what it is here. Now, his round is probably close to appropriate, but the fact that he's the 11th guy off the board doesn't do it for me. I think he should easily move up into that like number seven spot uh, where he could be right behind Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Logan Thomas fan. I love Logan Thomas. I got him on, I got him on waivers last year for a dollar. Uh, on in a couple of leagues, first come first serve in a couple of leagues. You know, I was I was taking notice early on. Uh, I think he should be moving up in that conversation even more because yeah, they added weapons, which means they're not going to key on him so much. Obvious success for last year, and they upgraded their quarterbacks. Fitz Magic is is just that. I mean, he checks down to his tight end. Uh, some he's got good vision. He's got a strong arm too, and Logan Thomas has a a nice build for the, get those yards after catch. So I'm a I'm a truther of Logan Thomas. Um, I think that a lot of people are sleeping on him and passing on him because of the additions. And surprisingly, they they pass on him because of Fitz Magic and thinking that Fitz Fitz isn't a good viable quarterback, which is ridiculous in my eyes. Well, when I look at it, he's getting drafted after uh, Noah Font, Dallas Goddard, who I love. Um, he's getting drafted after Mike Gusecki and Rob Gronkowski. Those four are going ahead of him. And my issue is, is that Gronk is older, is just in as much of a crowded area, is just is touch on dependent, maybe more so. Um, we look at guys like Mike Kosecki, who I think benefited more from Fitz than he did Tua. And so if Tua's his quarterback, that might go down. But if it's Deshaun Watson, sure, he might get used. But Watson, I mean, he's never really had tight ends, but he's never really used them exclusively outside of the red zone. 
Uh, Noah Font can't stay healthy, and Dallas Goddard is still somehow, some reason, competing with Zach Ertz in that tight end room because the Eagles refuse to trade him. Uh, they, they think they're a better team than they actually are. Like, we got an old guy, get rid of him. I guess 30 is not old, but but that's where I'm at. So uh, for me, Logan Thomas has a chance to finish top five in receptions again, which again, we're talking about PPR formats. If you're playing in in non-vanilla basic leagues where you reward players for the things they do and not just yards and touchdowns, uh, then Logan Thomas has a chance to move up. 72 catches is 72 extra points or 36 points, whatever if you play half point. Um, And the touchdown fact, the fact that he's able to get so many touchdowns, he's outperforming these other guys I just listed ahead of him outside of Gronk uh, in touchdown department. So he's going to score more points. And I think in the red zone, he's going to be their biggest threat because all the receivers I listed are not big-bodied receivers in the red zone that they're going to go to. They're guys that are going to be quick underneath, guys that are going to get yards after the catch 100%. But in the red zone, look for Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas. So for me, Logan Thomas probably should still be drafted in the same realm of 20 picks from 86 to 106, but I think he should get drafted ahead of those other tight ends that are going as high as pick 75 overall. Now, let's get negative again. Give us your last down. Uh, who, who are you starting to fade right now after this? Preseason? It's just, you're not, you're not feeling it anymore. I, I, and this, this is basically not so much preseason. It's basically track record and looking at how people are hyping him up. And that's Moster in San Francisco. I think that his track history, uh, I, I can't trust him. I, I've seen him go as high as, you know, I've seen him go as high as, fifth mid fifth uh, i've seen him go in the eighth ninth round i just don't trust him i think there's a reason why sermon was drafted uh to come in to work with with lance there and you know hasty's showing out this preseason um you know you have jeffrey wilson who went down to an injury that was showing out last season in most absence. so i think a lot of people are putting uh, thinking that he's coming in as, as as a unprecedented starter in San Francisco when he's got a huge amount of competition nipping at his heels, plus a, a really big injury history that is also putting an anchor around his neck, in my opinion. So I'm sliding him down. I, I've, I've actually got him off on almost every one of my draft boards He as a non-draftable player. Yeah, and it makes sense. Like you said, a crowded running back room is already a cause for a problem. The fact that there's uncertainty at quarterback is a cause for a problem because if Trey Lance is a starting quarterback, he's more adept to move outside the pocket, which means he's going to be looking more downfield on his throws than necessarily using his backfield. Mostert's got fantastic speed, 100%. But right now, his current ADP is the 78 overall player, which is good for round seven, pick six, running back 31. And that right there just kind of tells me that he's getting looked at as a guy that is supposed to be an RB3 that has potential RB2 upside. That's why you draft guys right here. But if we're just going to look at guys getting drafted after him, we have Ronald Jones, who's almost the exact same mold, except for healthier. (laughs) We have um, Kenyon Drake, who's in a less crowded area with a team that doesn't have as many legit passing options receiving options in my eyes outside of Waller, uh, David Johnson, James Connor, even Trey Sermon, who's in his backfield 
Uh, and then all the way down to Zach Moss, who we both think is going to take a step up, take some touches from Singletary and be a legit guy. The injury concern is the biggest reason why he's a faller, at least for me, if I was looking at this, I couldn't take the risk there. I have not taken the risk. I have not owned a single share of Raheem Mostert in my entire fantasy or dynasty career, but it's because of that injury history and the fact that San Francisco won't just stick to a guy. Yeah, and the the fact that they're going to an offense. I mean, you got to look at this. I mean, this offense is going toward pass heavy uh, with a mobile quarterback in its future. Lance is a mobile quarterback with a strong arm. I I, I think I, I come around to Lance being a possible best QB in his draft class. Uh, me and you talked about that on previous episode as well as offline you you swayed me on that um and also a nook debo samuels kittle they've got wide receivers and debo and a nook are young to develop you and then you bring sermon in the writings on the wall for his future i don't think i don't think he makes it past week five as a starter i i don't think so either i think I honestly, I honestly think they're going to start moving guys around. Like Sermon, yeah, is going to probably get some touches. I, I really just, I don't trust San Francisco running backs. Uh, until, until like three or four of them are hurt and it's like week 10, then you're like, well, that's the only guy there. So that's who I'm playing, which Mostert was that guy at one point. But yeah, for me, he's getting drafted too high. I would rather take a little bit of risk on some guys getting drafted after him, for sure. Now, falling down from me, uh, my last faller is Graham Hunt. Now, based on our ADP, he's the second highest guy that we have here that we're talking about today. Um, 55th overall guy, which is round five, pick seven, just a couple picks after Jamar Chase. He's good for running back 23. Here's my issue. About 200 and what is it? It's like 234 total touches. That's what he had last year. 11 touchdowns. A lot of touchdowns to touch rate. It's pretty huge, especially for a second unit guy. He had, I think he had two games that he had multiple touchdowns in which means he has multiple weeks that he's having no touchdowns in. And if you're the number two guy in an offense, that is the pass catcher. That's great. But he caught less than he caught less than 50 balls last year. So he's not really the big PPR back that we want because they still kind of use Nick Chubb. Also OBJ is coming back. And my thing is too, if, if they weren't fully com- convinced and confident in Chubb getting 250 plus carries, they wouldn't assign him to an extension. You know, they would have found somebody else to come in and play. But instead, what do they do? They sign him to extension. They match an offer sheet on Higgins. They bring him back. Donovan Peoples-Jones is developing. OBJ's back and healthy. Jarvis Landry's still Landry. Hooper's still Hooper. And Kareem Hunt is just in a place that is too crowded for me to be my RB2. To be my second running back? No. I mean, I brought this, this strategy to you, and uh, you've been using it. But, like, going three running back heavy in your draft Boom, boom, boom. And the first three to four picks is fantastic to do because before you even get to Kareem Hunt's area, you already got three guys locked down. He's not an option for you. And you can get those receivers that will perform better than him. Just looking at where he's at ADP-wise, right after him, if you follow my strategy of getting multiple running backs in the first three to four picks, you in this round, instead of Kareem Hunt, you can draft Tyler Lockett. Kenny Galladay. Yeah. I mean, there's just guys that are more, more reliable in my eyes, than Kareem Hunt, who's going to rely on Chubb being hurt, Chubb being off the field, 
or touchdown dependent. Yeah, and I don't think I don't like drafting Hunt as a viable option as a running back that I need to rely on. As a handcuff, yes. Uh, if you've got Chubb, definitely look at taking Hunt. You're going to you're not going to get him because you got that guy that sees that ADP and thinks that well, well they're going to have equal split of carries. That's not going to happen. Um, in my draft today, I, I go back to this. I did get Chubb. I got Chubb at the eighth pick, which I think is a good cream hunt, third round. And I looked at the guy sitting beside me, and I was like, did, did I just see him put that up there? He's like, yeah. I was like, and the guy, that was the first running back the guy took. What's cream hunt? And he went wide receiver, wide receiver first, and then went cream hunt for his first running back to be his his cornerstone running back. And I was like, well, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah. It's it's a fade for me. It's a fall down. Now, if you can get Cream Hunt for some reason, like it, this isn't going to happen on like your your leagues you're drafting online necessarily as much, but like if you've got like a host league, you might get more people that are wanting to take those bigger like wrist home run type guys and Cream Hunt might fall a little bit. If you can get Cream Hunt at least a full round later, if you can get him five or six running back slots later as like the running back 27, 28. It's not much movement, but I'm better there as your third guy than your second guy. All right, two more players. We'll get happy. We'll get positive. Give us your last player. We're sticking with running back here. Um, who is your last riser for you? Uh, is, my last riser is a riser because not only due to injury because of the situation, um, but opportunity. Uh, drafted free agent last year, made a big splash, and that's James Robinson. I I would I went out on a limb. I I made a bold prediction in one of our uh, TikToks that James Robinson would be traded uh, and become a starting running back for the Falcons. Well, Travis Etienne went out, uh, got a season in the injury. Robinson moves up to that RB one in Jacksonville, and he's got the familiarity. Trevor Lawrence is a lateral movement, in my honest opinion, at quarterback from when he played with Minshew last year. You know, I think it's a lateral movement, but I still he still got that explosive. And Jacksonville held on to him. They were getting offers from everything that I've seen in the rumor mills and stuff. They were getting offers for him, but they decided to hold on to him. And now they're in the catbird seat. With a viable running back, one that you can move up into the where Etienne was getting drafted, and people were were on the boat of and on the bandwagon of, well, if he's so good, why did they draft Etienne? Why did they draft Etienne? James Robinson did not take did not regress. He was had over a thousand yards last year. He carried a lot of people to championships. Yeah. Being, being picked up off waiver wires or, you know, being stashed late and taking on a boomer bus flyer. He, he led those teams to championships and he's back in that role. So I am, I am really good with taking a James Robinson as my running back two on a team to anchor my running backs, or even, you know, if I could get him as a flex, I'm ecstatic. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, which is to review ADP six uh, of 61, which is like round six, pick one. Uh, he's running back 25. So currently going up to this point, he was drafted 
after Kareem Hunt we just talked about. And he was getting drafted about 15 spots after Travis Etienne, so about a round and a half. Yeah, I mean, James Robinson's going to move up. It's obvious. Now, there is a little bit of concern because Carlos Hyde is there, and they had 66 offensive snaps the other day for running backs, and Hyde played in like 24 of them, uh, or like 25 of them or something like that. So it was kind of like a 60-40 split almost. Slight concern there, but James Robinson is a healthier, uh, more reliable running back at this point in his career that I believe than Carlos Hyde is. And James Robinson has the ability to just not get a lot of uh, eight-man boxes. I thought the same thing for ETN when he was there, but it's because, I mean, with the Jacksonville Jags having uh, Levesque Chanel, DJ Chark, bringing in Marvin Jones Jr., uh, it's going to open up three wide sets for them, which is going to prevent teams from just stacking the box because if they stack the box with eight, even seven, maybe they're going to leave guys one-on-one and DJ Chark one-on-one on the sideline is very dangerous to defend for anybody and Marvin Jones underneath and whatnot too. So uh, James Robinson is going to have a, another good year, probably in a thousand yards. It wasn't a trade, but you know, you're right. He's going to move into RB one territory and he's definitely going to outplay his, his current ADP he's got right now. Now let's talk about our last uh, riser here uh, with an ADP of 101, round nine, pick five. He is the wide receiver, 41 overall right now. That is wide receiver, Will Fuller. He's my last riser right here now. I have a huge issue with this. I don't know why people are fading Will Fuller. I don't know why he's getting drafted as a wide receiver four on your team. Uh, for me, Will Fuller, obviously, we have the issue of like the suspension, right? But that's one game. He served five of those last season. Granted, yeah, he gets hurt. He's not as consistent, but... When he's there, he played 11 games last year. So up until suspension, he was on pace to be wide receiver three overall. On a 16-game average, he would have had 77 receptions for 1,278 yards. I'm not even going to talk about his touchdowns because he had eight touchdowns in 11 games. That would have skyrocketed even more, but I think touchdowns are an anomaly. But he's getting drafted just for reference. He's a guy that could easily eclipse 1,000 yards if he plays, I mean, 16 games, but I mean, he almost clips 1,000 yards in 11 games. And he's getting drafted almost 50 picks after Jamar Chase that we talked about at receiver. He's getting drafted as if he's like your second or third bench guy. For me, he's going to be the best option. I know, I know people like Jalen Wano, but right now, Will Fuller is a hooper. He's a baller. He's going to be the best option for Tua. Now, let's say that trade that we talked about at the top of the episode happens. Deshaun Watson's there. Deshaun Watson loves will fuller he loves him and if this happens deshaun watson goes there week one will fuller sits out that's fine he comes in week two and he's going to tear that division up 100 and i think that he will eclipse what i had what he had projected for last year of 77 good for 1278 and he's gonna eclipse double digit touchdowns will fuller is his own worst enemy but if he was not in his own way, he'd be getting looked at as a top 10 wide receiver in the league. But it's just that boomer bust that people don't like. And, and what I like about Fuller, because we was talking about, we was, I was working on a trade to, you know, sell him, and the guy was, was really down on him, and I was like, but what I like about Fuller is, you know, his days in Houston, he was with Watson. That trade goes down. You've got that built-in familiarity that Watson slides right in that we talked about that may not have with other receivers. He Fuller was one of his favorite targets in Houston. You've got that to build on and it's going to 
bump everybody around Fuller up. Also, you got to take a look at this. Tua um, may not throw the ball to anybody but Fuller because Tua likes those intermediate routes, which Fuller can excel at and has breakaway speed. So you faded him, you know, people faded him like as a fourth wide receiver. It's ridiculous. I I would love to have, he is a wide receiver three flex option, depending on your, how your format and league set up. But I, I love Fuller. I think that uh, I got a, I got Fuller for a third round pick a couple of years ago, a rookie third round, because the guy was just like, well, he's got all these problems off the field. Yeah, but when he's on the field, he produces. Exactly. So I, I mean, even if I get him as a streamer, I'm I'm going to ride that wave of positivity and he- let him help me win games. And, you know, people fade him. I'm, I'm glad to hold on to him uh, and let him be a, a valuable piece of my offense. What this goes to show is that you guys need to just follow the strategy that we're kind of talking about here of, of getting your running backs early. If you can establish three running backs prior to, like I said, round nine, I mean, you can have three running backs, three receivers, get, go, go get your tight end quarterback, and now round nine comes around, and Will Fuller can be your wide receiver four that has an upside as a wide receiver one. That- so, yeah, I mean, basically what you're saying is your draft strategy in our mock that we did in the archives was great because in that scenario, you fill all of your key positions ahead of time, wait on that quarterback, and then start filling your bench with players that people are fading, and you can get, you know, top-tier production out of when you need to. So, yeah, I, I think you're right on point with that assessment of Fuller. And that's going to do it for us here on Second and Short, The Cheap Seats, our fantasy and dynasty podcast where we give you guys dynasty and fantasy clarity from the cheap seats. Now, I am Tyler Lauder. He is Jason. As I said below, at the beginning of the episode, all of our socials are right there. Go subscribe to everything. Go follow us for everything. You know, go ahead and tag us on anything on Twitter if you want to know. Also, you can hit up Jason on Twitter. He'll spread your trades around as well. He'll give you some feedback as well. Hit up his DMs. Uh, what's your Twitter at, Jason? Uh, it's TZLEY822 on Twitter. Uh, you know, be sneaky with your league mates. Send me those DMs with trade offers you're getting. I'll put it out there to the fantasy football community. Get back to you with, you know, with the uh, screenshot of the results that we run after about 24 hours. So you know where you're, where you need to add value or if you're giving up too, too much value. It's a great way to, to be sneaky with your league mates is use, use me. Uh, I, I don't care. I, I enjoy it. And that's it for us, guys. Thanks for listening. You guys have a good one.